Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSIN. Here we go. Welcome in. It is Follow the Money on VSIN, the sports betting network. Mitch Moss, Polly Howard, live downtown Las Vegas, Circa Resort and Casino. This show is brought to you by DraftKings. We are absolutely loaded to the gills today. For those of you watching the show, you can see Paulie has his uh, Winnipeg Jets jersey on today. I forgot to wear mine. That's my fault. I know. You have a plan. You sent a text like three days ago. I forgot about I it. Thanks, it. thanks for here. the reminder. Uh, perfect timing, too. They win again uh, with a shutout. We have some incredible uh. numbers on that team coming up today. A rant by an NBA coach last night, and I don't blame him after what happened coming up here in a little bit. And I know that this happened uh, you know, almost 24 hours ago, but Vrabel is canned by the Titans. And some of the stuff that you're hearing coming out of Nashville now just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like the uh, the person in charge, the owner, basically saying that uh, we had to get ahead of this and uh, we need to identify a coach as soon as possible and potentially trading Mike Vrabel instead of firing him because of the rules in the NFL could have taken like an extra three weeks, which would have made it more difficult. It it sounds to me like uh, they don't really have that good of a plan in place, to be honest. And they just think that a good coach, an upgrade is going to be available. Mm. If they got ahead of the – like, who are they going to land? Are they going to land Jim Harbaugh or Bill Belichick? I say probably not. And so that tells me then you're going to go lateral at best, and it's probably going to be a downgrade from Mike Vrabel. It's always a surprise, and this was a big one. That they move on, and uh, I, I, right, I completely disagree. You could have got a draft pick for the guy, right? Absolutely, he was the coach of the year a couple of years ago, and he's won a couple of playoff games. What always baffles me is you see these GMs who make a mistake, and then it doesn't work out with the coach, and then it's a, well, what am I going to do? And, and and like it because of the moves from the GM, it hurts the head coach in the roster, mm-hmm. but then he tries to save his own ass, and then the coach. That didn't happen here, but it's happened before. But it leads me to this point. Once they traded A.J. Brown, you saw what happened to the offense and the team. Yeah. And then they gave Tannehill all that money. 
And, oh, and by the got, way, they got yeah. old, and then it all. It, Willis was a bust, couldn't play. Levis, we don't know, doesn't look good, though. He's a project. So between all that and the moves, and that's why the GM and here Vrabel get, gets uh, let go because of moving on from A.J. Brown and how bad this offense looked and the fact that they can only win six games this year. Sure, and some whiffs on the defensive side of the ball in recent drafts, but then also some of their best players get injured. I mean, is that really Vrabel's fault? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, rumblings out of Nashville suggesting that Vrabel was not happy the day, the draft day, a couple years ago, when they made that move and traded AJ Brown, can you blame the guy? AJ yeah. Brown's one of the best receivers in football. Well, some people were taking shots at him too because it was like, well, you, you didn't stand on the table. Like we'll get to Darko coming up. You didn't pound the table when when that deal was close to happening. But, it, but I mean, okay, well, what's he supposed to do? I mean, yeah. I shouldn't have to do that. You say I don't want to. I want to keep AJ Brown. This would be a stupid trade. We need him for this team. And, uh, and the rest is history. Mm-hmm. And now this also opens the door. Now what happens in New England? Because you heard about the rumblings that he, he, apparently he'd be interested in the job. Why not? And now does this open the door for Kraft and Belichick out? And now Vrabel comes in too. Yep. Next Titans head coach, Mike McDonald, 3-1. to one. Belichick, 4-1. to one. Sure, Belichick's going to leave the Patriots and then go to Tennessee. Well, these odds, he's 4-1, to 5-1 to one with every single yep. team. He's so, the favorite in Atlanta. He's, yep. he's like the co-favorite with the Chargers. And it's, come on. Yep. Here is the Titans owner after making the move yesterday. The last two seasons have been very disappointing. And the, the fans felt it. I felt it. We made changes last year. And I came to believe we needed to make a change to the coaching staff. People want to know, when did you come to this decision? It wasn't a last night or a month ago or whenever. It's just kind of been all season watching. And it, it was difficult, but I thought it was time to make that change. The last two years trending in the wrong direction. How soon we forget. The guy was the one seed a couple of years ago in the AFC with Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. In an absolutely packed conference. Yep. This is what I'm talking about when you can't, these coaches, and he got six years. Clearly, Mike Vrabel is a really good coach in the NFL. He's going to be an upgrade somewhere, and one franchise is going to be super happy to get him. Like Harbaugh won a national title. How many times did we hear over the years, couldn't beat Ohio State, pandemic year, they were terrible, time to go. This guy's got, you know, get rid of him, can't win here. Then playoffs, playoffs, national championship. Like you give a guy enough time, the guy who is the right guy, and you should have known all along that Jim Harbaugh was the right guy in Michigan. Like, Mike Vrabel was the right guy in Tennessee. He should be there for 15 years, but nope. We live in a world where coaches get this many years, and they're going to try to find the next guy who's going to be better, and uh, I say good luck with that. Well, yeah, good point. Not only the A.J. Brown train, but Tannehill fell off a cliff once True. they gave him all that money. Now, to going back to Vrabel and what he can, how he can design a game plan and, and keep a game close and play a defensive struggle, he won two playoff games where Tannehill didn't even throw for 150 yards. Yeah. Tannehill was awful in those playoff games. He remember he went into Kansas City in that primetime game with Willis and almost beat Mahomes in that game. So your your good point about being the one seed, and uh, I think she's making a mistake here. And now we'll see what happens in Tennessee. And the, and the big news is was it opened the door in New England, and is uh, they move on from Belichick, and is Vrabel just slide in there? How that could happen? He's also think about this. You want a sign of a really good coach? Mike Vrabel is 14-12 and 12 straight up when he's a dog of four points or more. Straight up. Think that guy can coach? Yeah. I mean, that, that is 
one, that, I think that's the best mark since he's been in the NFL by any coach in the entire league, and that would make a lot of sense. So overall, covering games, keeping his teams tight, like in games that they can potentially win, he's one of the best. That's a really good sign. Uh, they don't have the talent there like some of these other teams do in the AFC, but they always had a fighter's chance. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just They're going to get some hot shot coordinator who's never been proven before and never had a head coaching job. That's going to be an upgrade over Vrabel. Yeah. Good luck to you. Yep, I'm with you. There's also this from last night. The Lakers beat the Raptors in a high-scoring affair. There is a takeaway from this, from a betting takeaway, by the way, which we'll get to in a second. 133-132. Free throw attempts in the last four minutes. Last four minutes. Lakers 19, Raptors 0. That's the largest shutout in free throw attempts over the final four minutes of regulation in any NBA game since November of 2010. You guessed it, LeBron James was with the Heat. They had a 19-0 advantage against Utah before they lost in overtime. What a tweet from OptiStats. Yeah. How does that happen? Yeah. 24-3 in the fourth quarter. 36-13 for the game. Anthony Davis was 11 of 11 in the fourth quarter alone from the free throw line. I think they were important calls. Lakers won by a point. After the game, LeBron said, well, we they fouled, we didn't. Okay. <laughs> there was an offensive uh, foul called on a charge. When the Raptors lost their minds and couldn't believe it, 19-0 in the last four minutes. Impossible. I, I can't. I can't. Impossible. I mean, that's, it really is. Yeah. yeah. Think about that. And you, you pointed this out earlier. Maybe Vrabel wasn't standing on the table enough in Tennessee like this guy was last night, the Raptors head coach, after the game. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Doug. That's 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 outrageous. What happened tonight, this is completely BS. This is shame. Shame for the referees, shame for the league to allow this. 23 free throws for them, and we get two free throws in, in the fourth quarter. Like, how to play the game. I, all, I understand uh, respect for all stars and all of that, but we have star players on our team as well. How's possible is Scotty Barnes, who is all-star caliber player in this league, he goes every single time to the rim with force and trying to get, get uh, to, to the rim without flopping and, and not trying to get foul calls. He gets two uh, free throws for the whole game. How's that possible? How are you going to explain that, that, that to me? They had to win tonight? If that's, if that's the case, just let us know so we don't show up for the game. Just give them a win. But that, that was not fair tonight. And th- this went on for 90 seconds, and he's pounding the table. Darko Rakovic, Rakovic uh, head coach of the Raptors, and he's exactly right. I mean, we, we're going to the basket, too, not getting the calls. Barnes, hell of a player, having a phenomenal year, mm-hmm. not getting the calls. They get every call. We get close to them. They're blo- they blow the whistle. I can't believe it's happened before. But as you mentioned, also a LeBron James team sure. in 2010. So a couple things here. He better not get fined for that. Yeah. He probably will. Probably 100000 That's a great rant. The league should not fine him uh-huh. because that cannot happen. That's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, the Lakers are going to say what they had to say. You can't have a 19 to nothing free throw disparity in four minutes of action. And not, Come on. Especially that team. If it's going to happen, it can't be that team. Yeah. Here, here's the betting takeaway. Now, the Raptors play again tonight, so we're on very early. We don't know if they're going to sit players or not. But since that trade, when they sent OG Ananobi to the Knicks and they got Barrett and quickly back, the Raptors have been a dead over team. That game flew over the total last night. 
Uh, again, the final score yeah, was, you know, 133 to 132. That's a lot of points. Obviously. It doesn't matter if that's the Pacers' buck. That's a lot of points in the NBA game. It opened, yeah, 230 and a half, closed 238 in so some now, spots. So now, that? as we sit here, they're playing the Clippers tonight. Yep. Clippers also, other than that game against the Lakers the other night, <laughs> they've been super potent, one of the best offensive teams in the league for a while now. That totals at 236, 235 and a half tonight. If, this, if they had a day off... And we're sitting there talking about, well, they're not going to set it to anybody. I would be telling you I got to bet over 235 and a half right now. Yeah, well, they don't have any travel, so that helps out. Very true. That's, uh, maybe they come out ticked off, ready to go, or maybe it's uh, drown your sorrows and hit the clubs in L.A. Who knows? That remains to be seen. Good point, though. The Clippers are the hottest team in the NBA yeah. with what they've done and how what Kawhi Leonard's been in a zone here for three weeks. And how, Doc Rivers yesterday said they have the most talent in the league. Hard to disagree. But that is, uh, that's a great point about what's going on with the totals. Also, see what the Knicks are doing. Another blowout win since they acquired OG. You want to get nuts Madness. with the Knicks? You want, how nuts would you want to get with the Knicks? I think the Knicks have a better chance to, be, to knock off the Celtics than the 76ers as of now. That's how good the Knicks look. They're, I believe, that, six and a half back in their division. Yeah. They're 101. Oh, wow. That is getting nuts. Up next, win some, lose some. Former quarterback Chase Daniel watched every single game of a certain NFL quarterback, and he says he's more convinced than ever that he should be the quarterback of their future. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Get a, a limited access to the VEASAN.com slash picks page. We're both on the Chiefs. Humans likes the under. Some props we like as well that we'll get to, and I'm also on the Browns for more VEASAN Pro picks. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Follow the money. Code will give you 10% off the annual subscription. Use the promo code FTM. FTM, get 10% off. Get up there now, VEASAN.com. All right, so we do have a good rematch tonight in the NBA. It was a uh, fierce battle. The only other time these two teams played this season in Minneapolis as the Wolves got the Celtics in overtime of that game. And here is the tweet to keep in mind for tonight. Sean Grandy pointed this out, play-by-play man for the Boston Celtics. The T-Wolves will not be able to fly to Boston last night from Orlando because of the inclement weather in the Northeast. They are now scheduled to land in Boston early this afternoon, about seven, six, seven hours before tip is when they're going to get there. So now that's not us sitting here telling you, you got to bet the Celtics minus seven because of that. Not what we're doing. We're pointing out how difficult uh, of a spot this might be for the Wolves. And I'm sure we'll find out later on today exactly what the Wolves plan is going to be in terms of, they, again, they just played last night in, in Orlando. They crushed the magic. Yeah, that's very important. So well, the game was over early. Right. They were up, I think they were up 25 at the half or something ridiculous. So you got to you guys didn't have to play extended minutes. Mm-hmm. So now maybe usually you just punt on the game and not play anybody. But then as Julian mentioned, what happens to Boston now here too, with uh, some guy and, and Tatum didn't play in the loss against Indiana the other night. So yeah. they're coming off a loss, and you also have the revenge angle. But you know it's it's a perilous trade here with the NBA, especially this early in the morning. Yeah, Who I will knows? I will point out. The Wolves uh, overall on the year, they're 16-17 and 2 ATS. The market is adjusted with how well they played. Tough time covering those numbers. They're 8-11 and 11 ATS on the road. They're 0-2 with no rest, and they're 0-3-1 and 1 ATS with the rest disadvantage on the year, yep. which is the case in this game tonight. Yep. Well, you're going to lose some games here. Uh, it, was, it was a great run that they were on and a huge win last night. But you lost to Dallas. You lost at New Orleans. You were down 20 against the Knicks and lost that game. Yep. So now with some tough games coming up, now we'll see as you got Denver breathing down your neck as you're trying to uh, win that division and also try to grab a top two seed in the West. This is a team I was talking about before the break. The 76ers are at the Hawks. No MB tonight. Sixers on the year, 23-12 and 12 ATS. Third best mark in the NBA. They are 10-6 and 6 ATS on the road. The Hawks have been miserable they are 8-27 against the spread on the year, 23% worse than the NBA. They are 2-12 ATS at home. And it's, by the way, not even close. They're by far and away the worst team in the NBA against the spread. At, uh, at home, they're 11-3 to the over, and they're 22-13 to the over, despite having these super high totals anyway. The Sixers are 21-14 to the over on the year. I've bet against the Hawks twice this year. <laughs> Lost both times. Yep. Well, as bad as it's been, they're only a game out of the play-in game, in the, which is the 10 seed. So Toronto just traded OB, OG. They'll probably make another move. But still, it's not – yeah. But this is still Atlanta's going to be able to figure to make the play-in at least, which still is a disappointing year considering the expectations they had. But then again, I can't fell, believe I fell for this crap again after they got me last year. So just a disaster so far in Atlanta. But, uh, you know, I, Philly still has a talented team. Sure. Even though you don't have, have Embiid. So 
again, we're, a lot of teams are going to make moves here coming up with the deadline that Friday, February 9th, before the Super Bowl. And Atlanta's going to move pieces. And Philly's going to add some people. Yeah, so, Atlanta. But, this, but sorry, this uh, Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be crazy. Yeah. Philly will add a piece. Who knows what the Knicks will, even though the Knicks are hot. Boston's a freight train. Uh, Bucks having issues now, but it's still going to be a tough out. Orlando's a good story, so it's going to be fantastic. And don't don't dismiss the Miami Heat either. Yeah, they'll get Jimmy Butler back at some point, yep, right? Yep. Um, so in this game tonight, Atlanta's a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and the total is 246-and-a-half. I actually might like it over more with no MB. Yeah, because they'll push the ball more. Sure. Mm-hmm. And the Hawks fly up and down. They're horrendous defensively. Yep, right. They have a top-five offense. Yes. And there's a super-fast pace. Oh. So I actually think the total might be a little bit low in this game. I mean, these numbers are just eye-popping because you don't – we're not used to this at this point yet overall, like going over the years in the NBA. But I'll I'll bring up the example again last night. Look at the market move on the Lakers-Raptors total. Opened 230.5, got to 238. That had no chance of – now, they played in 86-point fourth quarter, so it eventually flew over the total. But the Raptors have been a complete over team since making that trade for Emmanuel Quickly and uh, R.J. Barrett anyway. And now we're starting to see the line. Yep, the screen's lighting up right now. Boston just moved to eight. They went to eight everywhere. That's one of the games. Uh, Spurs just moved to three. And the total in that game is 238. That might not be high enough. Pistons uh, game score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. It, but it's, it's, the, it's a back-to-back to, for them. And again, this is how crazy this sport is. The Kings were laying 11 on the road last night. Yep. They're down by 18. They allowed 47 points in the first quarter. I down by 18. Do- I laid a dollar 60 in play on Detroit money line. I didn't have a chance. No, they're. Tra- I was up 22 points. I laid a dollar 60 in game money line. I got run out. Yep. They I they mean, were trailing at halftime. Oh, Lost. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Down yeah. by 18 yeah. in the first quarter. At the end of the first quarter, you're laying 11, and you won the game by 21. Yeah. 47 first quarter points. You finish with 110. It's I, a debacle. I, yeah, I think it was a 102 to 63 run by Sacramento. Sounds about right. Yep. Sabonis was a beast. I, I, I can't, what was? What do you? Would you see that? What do you have? Like 37? Oh, he's 30, been 16 and 12 or something. It's stupid that he had his game I mean, log. Uh, like this month, I'll get it here in a second. Has just been outrageous. What he's doing. Yeah, this was a tough one. I mean, the, the Spurs should beat him. And I agree uh, with but that. This again, that prop. As we mentioned briefly, DraftKings have been all over this. Will the Pistons set the record for a futility? Will they win at least 10 games? And Doug Azarian bet 8-1 to one and loves the under. But, if, I mean, he's, Doug's right. If you can't get games like this, where are the wins coming from? I know it. And you're not playing Cunningham. So I also agree that the uh, the total's too low as well. How he, about the – you have it? I was going to say, here's Sabonis. Yeah. Here's Sabonis in the month of January. Uh, 23-19 and ni- 19 against Charlotte. 22, 23, and 12 against Orlando. 24, 15, and 11 against Toronto. 17, 10, and 6 against New Orleans. 37, 10, and 13 last night. Yeah, it's still, it's you, you just you brought it up with Jeff Seeley. It's like he's still like two to one to get a triple double, plus 250, something like that. In that range? You got to take that, right? The run that he's on. Sure. How about the Pelicans against Golden State? As we've talked about, it's a mess with Golden State. No size, green acting like a buffoon. Um, you also have, will be mentioned, this is the most important takeaway I have. Infighting, Kaminga calling out Kerr. Imagine that, the onions on this kid. Uh, but you, you're under 500 and you played 23 teams 
that are under 500 on the season. So the schedule's been a joke, and they're a joke. But the Pelicans are hot. They beat Utah at home. Okay, no big deal. But then you beat the Lakers and ran them out by 20. You beat Brooklyn. You went to Minnesota and won. You had the hiccup Friday night. That just shows you how good the Clippers are playing. At home, Friday night, the Clippers were up 30 in that game. And then they went, and then after the tough loss, they went to Sacramento and they led by 50 points on the road. So when it's Zion and McCollum and Ingram, their offensive efficiency, the run they're on, is off the charts. And I don't care. I'm with Julian. If Edlo, if uh, if uh, Zion doesn't play, it doesn't scare me off the game. One and a half here. Golden State is a mess right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. lot, they were getting run out the other night against Toronto. Yeah. They are horrible yep. right now. So when Julian Edlow was on the show 45 minutes ago, he was making a great case for the Pelicans. I could not find a first-half bet anywhere here in Las Vegas. So I bet the Pelicans plus a half, half a point when he was on the air. They're now minus one and a half, as you just said. Yeah. I still can't find a first-half yes. bet, but I'm going to keep searching for that and see if I can get down uh, maybe before the end of the show here today. But that's... Beat Detroit at home by four the other night. Oh, they're, so. in, they're in absolutely oh, terrible yeah. form right Chris now. Chris Paul's hurt. The green situation, the infighting, the, 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 do I play the young guys? What do I do? The pressure that's on Curry. But as we've talked about many times, this was true of the uh, teams that were winning titles and making and the best team in the league. They were always sloppy Joe with the ball. Oh, drove me nuts. Well, it still continues. Now yeah. you can't, you're not good enough to overcome all these stupid turnovers. Here, here's what they really screwed up. They had a chance to nail it out of the park and keep this dynasty going. Because they had a ton of picks. Yeah, well, good point. Wiseman, awful. The, right? the youth movement. Yeah. Totally whiffed on Wiseman. And it appears as if they whiffed on Kaminga and Moody as well. Yeah. Both those guys were taken super high in the same exact draft. Mm-hmm. And they had those three yeah. picks back-to-back years. And I, they... And Clay Thompson's cooked. Yeah, it appears that way. And he, he knows it, too, he by knows the way. It. He does. He's recently been talking. He's like, a, and uh-huh. Kirk Kurz had to like get on him and be like, dude, knock this off. It was an interesting soundbite about stop moaning and... and right. Be a, be a set a um, example for the younger guys sure. and stop worrying about what's happened to you. So, but it's uh, yeah, you're right. He does know what's over. Yeah, uh, every day at this time, by the way, the market moves in the NBA. The Hawks are down to a one point favorite now. Some money as we're talking coming in on Philadelphia that dropped uh, one and a half points in the last couple of minutes in that game. There is a lot of nightlife in Atlanta, though. A lot of lot of thing, lot of different ways you can get in trouble there. I'll say that. That'd no. be the one concern in Philly. Seren Petro is going to join the program coming up next. Longtime radio host in Kansas City. He's covered the Chiefs for a long time. Does he agree with the move here? Chiefs are now a four-point favorite. And what about this total in cold weather? We'll ask him coming up next. Chosen. Welcome in. We are live in downtown Las Vegas, as always, from the Circa Resort and Casino. We'll go NFL here. Chiefs, Dolphins, Saturday night on Peacock. Seren Petro joins the program now, radio host WHB in Kansas City. He has uh, covered this team and been on the air there for a long, long time. And uh, word has it, he's been on a couple of games in his life as well. Seren, good to talk to you again. How are you? Yeah, it's good. It's good. I'm glad uh, glad to know you're, not, you're next to my money that I left there back in August. Uh, it's, <laughs> o- it's over at the crap table by the bar. Uh, you know, good times, but it's there. Go get it for me if you guys would. Uh, 90 minutes from now, I'll go see if I can find that craps table at the end of the show and get it back for you. Um, how, cold, how cold is it right now in Kansas City? 
You know, not too bad. I think we woke up this morning at about 23 degrees, but we are. This is the high. This is the last uh, warm day. We're supposed to get to like 42 or 3 uh, today. Then we plunge back down below freezing uh, the rest of the week, and really it, it, it drops precipitously on Saturday. I mean, we're talking about a game-time temperature that people are predicting between 3 and 10 degrees for kickoff, getting uh, colder as the night goes on with some wind involved as well. So it's going to be one of the coldest games the NFL has ever seen. I think it will set the record. Uh, for being the coldest game. I think 11 degrees uh, might be the coldest game that's ever kicked off in Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, this one's got a pretty good chance to break that record. Yeah, we were looking at some uh, forecasts a little bit earlier on, and just the way it feels, right, it could get as low as like minus 18, the way it feels to the human body out there on the field. So how how do you think that's going to work for Tua Tungavaiola, a quarterback for the Dolphins, where he is really good at home, but on the road in these conditions, and the point spread moved from three and a half to four yesterday. I know the Chiefs, I mean, look, I don't love laying any points with KC at this point, but it just seems to me like with the weather, all things considered, this is going to be a really tough spot for Miami. Yeah, I was talking to Tim Grunhard yesterday, a former Pro Bowl center for the Chiefs who's played in games that I think were 10 and 11 degrees playoff games. At Arrowhead. There have been four Arrowhead playoff games below uh, 20 degrees. Patrick Mahomes has played in two of them. They're the uh, AFC Championship games at 17 and 18 degrees. So he hasn't been down this low, but he's got a little bit more experience. And coming from South Florida, Tim lives down in Florida part of the time. He's like, listen, it's reality. You move to warm weather, your blood thins. You guys know it. I know when I moved to Vegas uh, after you know going to school in Syracuse and coming back to Kansas City, I mean, your, your body changes and adapts and adjusts mm-hmm. to the cold weather. The Chiefs are more ready for it. Tua's never won a game that he started below 48 degrees. So, you know, it doesn't mean he can't do it. I watched the Miami Dolphins come in here at the end of the I think it was the 2008 season, the last game that uh, Carl Peterson was the GM. The Dolphins came in. It was a 10-11 degree day that day. And everyone thought the Chiefs would win. Both teams were bad, but the, the Dolphins beat up on them. So, it's not a foregone conclusion. Andy Reid has really played it down down, but I think it's a reality. Two has never experienced what he's going to experience. And I think the wind is a big factor as well. I mean, Mahomes has the bigger arm, should be able to cut through the wind. The windier it is, I think the uh, tougher it'll be for Tua. Sure. Uh, if the Dolphins get Moster back and they can combine him with A-Chan, A-Chan is awesome. I mean, he averaged you know, more than eight yards per carry. Are the Dolphins going to be able to find success on the ground against this uh, really solid Chiefs defense? I think if you want to say the Dolphins win, now tell me how it happened. It starts with over 200 yards rushing from the Miami Dolphins. And I think that is the weak spot for the Chiefs' defense. Listen, I think the Chiefs are aware that you throw to win and you run when you're winning. So they built a defense to stop the pass. They've got a great depth in the secondary, plus two top-shelf corners in, uh, you know that they can throw at you. Uh, and the, the linebackers cover well, but it's the run game where you can get beat. Now, when they played over in Germany back in Week 9, the Chiefs did a pretty good job of slowing up that Dolphins running attack. And I think they got them behind the chains. The Dolphins only ran for 117 yards uh, in that game. There was no HN in that game. And I think that's the wild card. Is he the difference? I think the Chiefs will have a good run scheme. And I think some of the injuries uh, that the Dolphins have, Waddle, uh, the interior of their offensive line is a problem. But McDaniel does such a great job of coordinating that run game. I think it's an uh, underrated and unheralded part of an offensive coordinator's job, the ability to really coordinate a strong running game, create those blocking angles, to help your guys up front. And then he's got a great speed back in A-Chan and a great veteran in Mostert who's not slow himself uh, to take advantage of it. So if the Dolphins are going to win, that's how they're going to do it. It's going to be running the ball. And I think Steve Spagnuolo knows that. And it won't be as easy as it looked at times for the Dolphins last week against the Bills. Let's yeah. F- yeah, follow the money here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Our guests are M. Petro, WHB in Kansas City, longtime radio host. Also, there's this. The Dolphins had to sign linebackers Justin Houston, 
and Bruce Irvin this week. They also placed Jerome Baker, Cameron Good, and Andrew Van Ginkle on IR. There is a scenario here where, right, I mean, they're just so decimated at key parts uh, of the defense where they're not going to be able to, like, maybe get that running game off the uh, off the field for Kansas City if they can get Pacheco going. And the passing game, like some of the under, uh, underneath stuff, is working with Mahomes and company. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, the, the, there's maybe optimism towards the Chiefs. Uh, we were talking off air about, you know, the line move and some money coming in, or at least the line moving towards the Chiefs. And I, I think, you know, Andy Reid pretty much said Donovan Smith is going to be back at left tackle. He's been out for several weeks. He's not great. He's solid. Um, you know, he needs a little help against a pure speed rusher. Well, that's not what he's going to face. He'll be just fine in there, and they get better at left tackle. McCole Hardman came back in the scrimmage against the Chargers last week. He had seven catches. He's not perfect, but we know that they've had problems at the wide receiver position. The MBS can't catch. Kadarius Toney can't catch. Sky Moore can't catch. So if you can leave those three on the sidelines and have the rookie Rashi Rice, who's been really good, McCole Hardman to uh, stretch the defense really vertically. He doesn't track the ball well deep, but he does a lot of things, uh, or excuse me, really horizontally. He doesn't go deep well. Uh, he runs well, but he doesn't track the ball well. But horizontally, he's a real threat, and that's where he beat the Chargers. And so I think there's probably a view that this Chiefs offense will be as good or better now that Hardman's settled into the offense after coming over midseason, back in the mix, uh, they know how to use him. They can uh, play to his strengths, and hopefully they've eliminated the guys that they've been trying to get up to speed that just weren't getting the job done at that wide receiver spot. Well, that's been the story, how bad the wide receivers have been in their number one in drops. Is the defense good enough then? And they only give up 17 points per game, but good because if they win, they're probably going to Buffalo. So is it good enough to overcome this offense, which I can't believe I'm saying, even though they have my homes, but is it good enough to overcome this offense and make a deep uh, postseason run? The answer is no. Uh, this is the best defense that the Chiefs have had in the Patrick Mahomes era, and it's the worst record they've had in the Patrick Mahomes era. And I think it speaks to the reality of the modern NFL. There are times that you have to be able to score, and the Chiefs haven't been able to do it. They always could count on the fact that if it was late in the first half, if it was late in the game, especially when you employ fourth down, Mahomes would go get you points. 51 seconds and one timeout, that's a field goal in your pocket, and maybe seven. Not anymore. Not with this team. And so we've seen them play great defense. We've seen the defense hold the opposition to 17 points, 20 points where the, the, there was a pick six and the offense gave them another short field where they're really the defense was on the hook for three or six points. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, they still needed points from the offense and they couldn't get it. So, you know, I, I think Chiefs fans would love to tell you, yes, reality of the modern NFL is no, the defense can only hold up for so long that the offense is going to have to step up and play better if they're going to make any run. Which team in the AFC has the best chance to go to Baltimore and win? Probably the Buffalo Bills, a day that, that Josh Allen, you know, you get good Josh Allen, non-turnover Josh Allen. I, I related him to Brett Favre. I mean, yep. Patrick Mahomes, people wanted to say was Brett Favre. Josh Allen's Brett Favre. If Josh Allen's on, they're the they're the biggest threat. But listen, the, the Chiefs have the ability to do it. Uh, don't get me wrong. And I'm going to tell you that Baltimore's worst nightmare is seeing red and gold roll into that stadium. They've had a lot of bad mm-hmm. losses to the Kansas City Chiefs. And so I think there will be a mental hurdle that the Baltimore Ravens would have to get over early in that game against the Kansas City Chiefs because of how many times the Chiefs have laid them to waste. Hadn't been in the postseason, but they just haven't really been able to get by Mahomes. I think they got him once, but I think they're one and four. Lamar against uh, Patrick Mahomes, something in that neighborhood so yeah Baltimore's got the best chance but I don't think the Ravens I think the Ravens would probably rather see uh Buffalo than the Chiefs because of the uh, history they've had with the Chiefs do you have Flacco fever are you buying into the Browns 
I am not. I am not at oh. all. Um, I, listen, I, I, I like. Do I like the Browns as a team? Yes, but eight interceptions in five games. I think people need to settle down about how well Joe Flacco's playing. There's been a lot of interceptable balls that have also been dropped. So look, Flacco is the guy to start for them. He's their best quarterback. But let's stop acting like Joe Flacco is going to carry a team. It's going to be the rest of that team that has to get it done. They're going to need to run the football. They're going to need to play great on defense because Joe Flacco needs to be put in a position to manage the game and not win it. Yeah. I mean, how good overall is it next week if we get Chiefs at the Bills? Uh, I think that's, that's uh, will be one of the highest rated playoff games in NFL history. It'll have to be. That would, that would absolutely be the nuts for the NFL. Now explain this. We have like a minute left. It's not going to be a controversy in Kansas City because uh, the game's going to be on the NBC affiliate, correct, and not just Peacock? Right, it'll be on, uh, yeah, uh, what is it, uh, Action or 41? I don't know what that one is. 41, K- NBC local affiliate. <laughs> yeah, okay. Big, big. Yeah, yeah, sure. We'll be scrambling yeah. to see if we can find it out here yeah, but, and but elsewhere. It, it, would be, it would be lose your mind, you know, storm, especially when the Chiefs and Royals are trying to get a new stadium uh, passed right here. It, it would not be a smart play for the NFL to help the, to do that, and, and they're not doing it. So, but yes, it, it would be Armageddon in Kansas City. No kidding. You can follow Seren on Twitter. He is at Seren Petro. Great stuff as always, my man. Thank you. Guys, always my pleasure. Thanks for having Great me. Great job. There you go. Someone he, not buying the fever finally. How, how about, about that? that? Yeah. This is going to be ugly. I mean, the older demographic is going to lose their minds this week. If they're not aware of it, they, they these old guys are going to have to try to find Peacock. And what? What? The game's not on TV? What? Think about how long it's just going to take to register. Wouldn't you tell them that? I know. Where's the games, kid? What? What's it's not Pe- on? What's Peacock? What's, right. What, what does that peacock? mean? Okay, what to watch for next season with teams that won five or fewer games coming up next. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSIN. Welcome in. We're live in downtown Las Vegas from the Circa Resort and Casino. This show is brought to you by DraftKings. I love our next guest. Richard Roper joins the program. Longtime film and TV reviewer for the Chicago Sun-Times. Plus, his podcast is called The Richard Roper Show. Good to talk to you again, friend. How you been? Guys, it's great to talk to you. You know, one of my resolutions for 2024 is to get back in studio with you guys at least one morning at some point this year so I can see oh. you in person. Oh, that That'd would be, be great. That would be excellent. Yeah, uh, so the Emmys are coming up, and the reason why, well, first of all, you're a great guest, and you know this stuff like the back of your hand. So the Golden Globes were this past weekend. The Emmys are coming up uh, this next week. So DraftKings recently pulled the odds to win the Emmys. We did talk about it leading up to it, but they pulled them. Um, how much of an indicator was it last week at the Golden Globes and a predictor for what happened What happened last weekend and how much it has to do with what's going to happen this week? Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, and I'm sure, you know, your listeners know this, the Golden Globes were on life support a couple of years ago. They had all kinds of scandals. They'd lost their credibility, and they did a great job of kind of, you know, restoring whatever credibility they had. They increased the membership. They got a TV deal with Dick Clark Productions. It's on CBS now. So the voting seems a little more substantial, guys, and a little more um, reliable. So what you saw with the wins at the at the Golden Globes in both TV and film are going to play out pretty much the same way at the Emmys and then after that at the Oscars. Okay. So for people who still have access maybe to the odds elsewhere, like, for yeah. example, odds to win outstanding drama series, Succession went off the board when DraftKings pulled it down at minus 1,000, so it's a heavy favorite. After Succession, the odds look like this. The Last of Us, 8-1. to one. The White Lotus, 12-1. to one. Better Call Saul is 20-1. to one. And some more shows are down on the board beyond that. Do you, is this a runaway with Succession, in your opinion? Yeah, it's a victory lap for Succession. I would say the only show there that has a, a, a smidgen of a chance would be The Last of Us, because the people who love that show... Love that show. I, I thought it was really good myself, but a lot of people just think it's one of the greatest series of all time because it's you know it's based on all this popular source material and the casting everybody felt was really good and they had some standalone episodes that were you know instant classics. So that's the only one in that category I could see pulling off the upset. Okay, Mister Chicago, outside comedy <clears throat> series, The Bear is two to one. Ted Lasso's a dollar ninety. I think I think you're going to take The Bear at two to one, which you loved. I would agree. Yeah, the bear, of course. And they're actually, as we speak today, is I think the first day they're starting work on season three here in Chicago. Uh, I, I agree. I think the bear should be favored here. I love Ted Lasso, but it's one of those shows that, you know, it had a finite run and the final season was good, but it felt like they were starting to repeat themselves a little bit. Whereas the bear is only in season two. It's super fresh. Uh, it's, it's edgier. 
Uh, it's brilliantly directed. It's got an amazing cast. So I actually think the Bears should be favored there. Should, that, should that show be considered a comedy is my only question. That is amazing. You know, it's so interesting mm. because uh, if, you, if people saw it last year, you know, when you think of like, you know, there's the famous episode of the Seven Fishes set in the, you know, in the recent yeah. past, the flashback episode where all this stuff happens. You know, if, if that's comedy, I miss most of the laughs in there. I mean, there's some dark comedy, but I, I think of it as more of a drama with comedy. Okay. The idea that it's up against Abbott Elementary, you know, <laughs> that's comedy, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, what did you make of that show? Ebbett Elementary. Um, it looks really good. I'm so far behind on TV shows, Richard. It's ridiculous. And also, every time I bring this up, people say, Mitch, you have to watch Barry. Yeah, Barry's really good, and you got to go back to the beginning for that. What I like about Ebbett Elementary is it, it proves there's still place for a relatively traditional network sitcom, you know, in, in mm-hmm. the vein of a, a modern family and things like that. You know, the workplace setting, the likable characters, the eccentricities. Uh, you know, it's it's nice to see that. And it's as such, it's really well done. How about for um, lead actress and then uh, supporting actor? Is that going to be succession as well? Kieran Culkin just won Sunday, and the second choice is Jeremy Strong, and then the gal who plays Shiv is a huge favorite as well. Is it just going to be more succession awards? Yeah, uh, Sarah Snook, who was great. Um, yeah, and you know, when you look, I look at some of the nominees here, like for, you mentioned lead actor, Karen Culkin has been around a lot, since he was a kid. I think people know he's Macaulay Culkin's brother, right? Mm-hmm. He's been in movies since he was four years old, and he's been nominated for things before, but he's never really won, and he had such a great character to play in succession. You know, Jeremy Strong's great, but he's kind of a, a, a bigger talent, I would say, or at least somebody who's going to get more huge roles. Bob Odenkirk has a slew of Emmys already. Uh, so when you look at the category there, you're like, okay, they're going to give it to Karen Culkin because he's very good. Don't get me wrong. He's a great actor, but he might not ever get a role this good again. Oh, interesting. Okay. okay. That's possible. Never thought about that. Yeah. And now, now here we go, Richard, the list uh, to win outstanding lead actor for a comedy series, Jeremy Allen White, who won at the Golden Globes, of course, this past weekend, in the show Bear, he moved to a thousand minus one thousand favorite. He's ahead of Sudeikis for Ted Lasso at five to one. I actually think this category is very, very strong. I thought Martin Short was awesome in Only Murders in the Building, but he's fourteen to one. Bill Hader and Barry is fourteen to one, and uh, Shrinking I thought was excellent on Apple TV. Siegel was very good, but I don't think he has a shot here at thirty-five to one. Again, is this going to be Allen White here winning? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's his year. These it the is, first okay. two seasons of The Bear. Uh, you know, Jason Sudeikis has won a ton before. Martin Short's been around for you know fifty years, so people kind of think like he's probably won a lot of awards. I love uh, Bill Hader and Barry, but I don't I don't know if it had the mainstream appeal to get you know the huge votes. And I agree. First of all, Shrinking is a really good show. Talk about like a really you know it's it's from some of the same people who did Ted Lasso, and you could tell because it's got that same. You know, it's not afraid to be really smart and really dark and then unabashedly sentimental. And we need shows like that. You know, at the end of each episode, you, you want to hang around with these people. Yeah, you want to have a beer with them. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yep. Well said. Well said. How about some new shows now? Uh, True Detective 4 starts Sunday with, with uh, Jodie Foster. What do you think? Yeah, guys, you know, this is, it's interesting because there's been four seasons. They're not really related, although this one kind of makes some callbacks to the season one, which most people think is the best. But in a way, this True Detective almost feels more like uh, a season of Fargo because it's set in Alaska. You know, it's got that wintry setting. 
And what I love about this edition, guys, is Jodie Foster's playing a sheriff investigating some really demented murders. And you can't help but think, how cool is that 30 years after she was Clarice Starling in The Silence of the Lambs? Mm -hmm. It's a very different story. It kind of reminds me of the classic movie, uh, The Thing, where there's a there's yes. this, you know, station, you know, this this some some sort of experiment scientist station and then weird things start happening and throughout the series, it's six episodes this time around, you're not sure is it supernatural or is it just the evil of man? It's really well done. Really that is not light feel good viewing, my friends. You know, just don't watch that just before you go to bed. I All would right. Say. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. So you mentioned how how is far the run you just watched Fargo. How's Fargo? Yeah, you know, the last season of Fargo was really, really good. Uh, one of the things I liked about it was it's actually the closest, I think, that it, it's very close to the film. You know, it has more of the tone of the film uh, and just uh, brilliant performances. And uh, John Hamm plays uh, the, one of the most corrupt sheriffs of all time. When you think about John Hamm after Mad Men, how great he's been because he was he did a really smart thing, guys. Instead of just playing the leading man because he's so handsome and you know that kind of guy, he takes these great character roles. So he plays the FBI agent in the town. You know, he plays a sheriff here. He likes to play law enforcement officers who are kind of a little bit bent. So I think it's really smart because he's like thinking, you know what? There's going to be a day where I can't be a leading man. So he's carved out a character actor career. Okay, uh, and and we're doing a was it a ten part. A series on the New England Patriots. I know Amendola had a money quote about Brady and that, but it seems like we're getting something new with the Patriots every six months. Yeah, and this is, I think, uh, Apple TV Plus guys. They just released like the trailer. And listen, the people behind this—it's all quality people, you know. The, the, the and, the and they got access to everybody. But you know, we've got inside the NFL. We have a lot of shows like that. My, my question for you guys—you would know better than I do. I mean, are they going to want to watch this in Atlanta, for example? You know? No. <laughs> you know, the, you know, they they want to relive yeah. that nightmare. So I, you know, I've got all due respect for the Patriots, you know, and, and the dynasty they built. But I think, you know, when you look at the Last Dance with, you know, Jordan and the Bulls, they were larger than life characters. They, to me, they're, you know, you talk about the Cowboys as America's team. I think of the 1990s Bulls were America's team. When they traveled, as you guys know, the Bulls were like rock stars in every city they went to. I don't necessarily know that there's that kind of interest in the Patriots. This robotically efficient monolith that just kept crushing everybody. You know, I, I, listen, I'll watch it. You guys will watch it. I don't think it's going to become a, a popular culture sensation like The Last Dance or even Winning Time, for example, a fictionalized <laughs> version of the Lakers, which was brilliant. That was awesome. HBO made a mistake there. No, you're right. This team was hated and despised, and it's just too much. Whether it was something on Brady, something on NFL Network, there's been too much done on the Patriots the last few years. It's like, do you want to see a documentary about Rocky Balboa or Ivan Drago? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll give you two other shows, and we have about a minute left here. Paulie and I have talked about The Jinx, season one, over the years, and how much we love that show. They're coming out with season two. And I can't. my favorite show in recent years, The Boys on Amazon Prime, I can't wait for season four to pop. 
Yeah, that's one of those shows that has a great following and not the hugest following. And I want to tell you about another one real quick. There's mm-hmm. a, a series coming up on Hulu called Death and Other Details. And if you like the White Lotus and you're waiting for White Lotus Season 3, check out Death and Other Details. Very similar kind of structure about a bunch of rich people that you love to hate. Okay, uh, up next here, follow the money on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. <clears throat> More with Richard Roper, including betting on the Academy Awards. Odds are st- <clears throat> still up at DraftKings. And we're starting to see some heavy favorites on the board, but not like most years. Does that mean there's actually value on the favorite right now? Or will dogs be barking this year? We'll ask what you're coming up next here on Beeson. Welcome back. We're live. Circa Resort and Casino as we continue with Richard Roper. TV. And film reviewer, Chicago Sun-Times. His podcast is called The Richard Roper Show. We talked about the Emmys and the awards in the first segment. We move on to the Academy Awards. And Richard, uh, I I think we talk to you about the awards every single year around this time. And when when I look at the odds right now at DraftKings for Best Picture and some of the other awards, I'm looking at Oppenheimer right now at minus $4, and you're a a big fan of, of of the movie. In in years past, I want to say, like, that this movie would be like minus 1,000 or minus 2,500 or something that's completely unbettable. So here's where I'm thinking. Like, if, if Oppenheimer's that big, is minus $4 still like, wow, way too short? I got to bet that right now. Or does that tell us that maybe dogs could be barking this year at the Academy Awards? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of hedging bets. I mean, I do think Oppenheimer's going to win, but... You know, and again, we talk about the voters, guys. You know, in the Academy Awards, the, the Motion Picture Academy, they expanded their membership in, the, in recent years to be younger, to be more diverse. As recently as five years ago, it was like the average age was 75, and 80% of it were white males. It's not that way anymore. And I mention that not because people are necessarily have to vote a certain way or going to follow a certain pattern, but I think it's a more enlightened and maybe a little edgier voting block. Oppenheimer's a great film, but Killers of the Flower Moon, man, you know, when people see that movie, I think it might it resonates a little more emotionally with viewers than Oppenheimer just because of what it's about. Mm-hmm. So if you can get Killers of the Flower Moon at, at a pretty good price, I, you know, I don't think it's I don't think it's out of the question. Mm. But why is that third the, the third choice, though? Because we'll get to your list coming up. But you have Oppenheimer one, <laughs> Flower Moon two for best movies of the year. Poor Things is the second choice. Yeah, and I, I like Poor Things, but it's way too out there, I think, to win an Academy Award. It's it's you know just some bat bleep crazy stuff going okay. on there. So okay. I, don't, I don't think it has I don't think it has a chance to win Best Picture. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, how about Best Director then? Nolan for Oppenheimer, he's minus one thousand. Uh, is it his now, or like Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon? He's seven to one. Yeah, I, you know, you know, we've had this in recent years sometimes where best director and best picture go to two different films. People mm-hmm. go, how, how could that be? You know, how does a film direct itself? Well, it's just a way of actually honoring two films because I think I said in my piece, guys, it's kind of a one A and one B for me with Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer. Either one of those you could pick for best picture of the year. So I could see a scenario: Killers of the Flower Moon wins best picture. Nolan wins Best Director for Oppenheimer. Where are you at with Barbie overall? Uh, is this going to take? Does it have a chance to win any of the major awards whatsoever? Uh, you know, maybe. I mean, first of all, I think it, I think it was a, it was a hoot, and I got a kick out of people who were offended by Barbie and thought that Ken got short shrift because I'm like, 
Ken, Ken, even as a doll, didn't have any character. You know what I mean? <laughs> Barbie was a doctor. Bar- Barbie was a flight attendant. Barbie was a, a psychiatrist. Barbie was a teacher. Ken was always just Ken. You know? Uh, but, you know, Billy Eilish had the song that won for Golden yep. Globes, and I could see that maybe getting a chance, uh, or maybe something for production design or costumes, because it had that great look to it. And But I think Margot Robbie would be the first to tell you that making a billion dollars and even getting nominated is pretty amazing for a Barbie mm. movie, and and deserved. Right. Well, let's stay with that then. So for Best Supporting Actor, Downey was great in Oppenheimer. Downey is minus $5. He just won a Golden Globe. Gosling is the second choice. So do we dismiss Gosling then, based on what you just said, and it's going to be Downing? Yeah, and also Robert Downey Jr. is one of the best actors to not have won an Oscar. Oh. He's been nominated. Okay, you know he was great. He was great in Chaplin, but and he's also you know people love his story because it's a redemption story. The guy was, you know, when he was cast in Iron Man, they were having trouble getting him insured because he was so unreliable, and now he's become kind of Hollywood royalty. You know, he's right. been around for so long, so, and it's also a great role. So he, you know, he's overdue. As we've talked in the past, sometimes it's a career award as well as the performance. And he, he people love Robert Downey Jr. From what I've been told, he's gone from being the, the worst person on a movie set to one of the best. He treats everybody great, young stars, crew members, everybody. So there's a lot of uh, goodwill toward Robert Downey Jr. All right. right now. That's a great answer. So you're strong on this one, too. Uh, you tweeted about yeah. it as well. Best actress, you think Lily Gladstone? Wins for Killers of the Flower Moon. She's minus 250. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a classic thing, too, where, first of all, it's a great role. It's a great performance. Lily Gladstone has done stuff before, but we, we're not used to seeing her in movie after movie. So we sometimes you almost believe the performance even more, you know, because it's a fresh uh, talent and everybody in this ca- in this group is great. Emma Stone's won before. Margot Robbie will get more substantial roles. So I, you know, there's a combination of factors there. But I think that I think that's a bigger lock than any of the other car- categories, guys. It's oh, really glad oh. for sure. Yeah, I really, I really do. Okay. Uh, well, he's priced higher in the Best Actor award category. Cillian Murphy is minus three sixty at DraftKings as we speak. Can you make a case for Bradley Cooper, plus 250? Paul Giamatti, we saw him at In-N-Out Burger after winning the Golden Globe. Uh, I love that guy. He's plus 550. Anybody else here that you want to make a case for? Uh, you know, I, I I love Bradley Cooper. I think Maestro's been kind of unfairly maligned by some people for whatever reason. Uh, I think Paul Giamatti, guys, has a chance because, Ooh. again, we go back we go back to somebody who's been around, you know, since he played uh, pig vomit in private parts right, <laughs> yes, 30 right. years ago, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. right? Uh, uh, and one day I'll tell you the story about the real-life guy for that who almost offered me a radio job one day. That's a whole other story. Wow. But, uh, but, but he's so great. And I love Killian Murphy and Oppenheimer, but Oppenheimer, first of all, it's a huge ensemble movie, right? I mean, there's, there's 10 big performances in there. And it's about the story as much as the man, whereas The Holdovers is basically Paul Giamatti's movie with a couple of great supporting performers around him. But there's about four main characters, so he carries the film. So it's more of an Oscar bait you know, type performance. Mm-hmm. And also, who doesn't love Paul Giamatti, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. He's okay, an unbelievable so, actor. So yeah. then he's live then, in your opinion, yeah. at plus 550. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Uh, your list, best movies of 2023. You loved Oppenheimer. You think you can win six Oscars. By the way, with this guy Ludwig, is that's a, that's a deep dive, but that's available too. Will he win for, for composer, the Ludwig guy, for Oppenheimer? Yeah. 
Yeah, Ludwig Göransson. He's the he's you saw him in the Golden Globes. He's yep. one of the great composers of our times. He's worked with pop stars. He's done it all. So if you're if you're filling out your ballots. Uh, and I'll be happy to come on in a couple of months for around in March, guys. We can fill, we can go through it. I can help people fill out their Oscar ballots. But those are the categories you have to win to win your company pool. You got to win composer and short film mm-hmm. and animated short and all that stuff. Yep. Oppenheimer number one, Killers of the Flower Moon number two. You had Air number three. You know, I think and people liked Air. It did really well, but I think it's because it came out earlier in the year, guys. I think it's been kind of forgotten a little bit. And, you know, you go back and look at that. It is such a well done. It's the social network of Nike, basically. It's here's how it all happened, okay. you know. And, and the casting is great. The performances are great. And, uh, you know, Matt Damon continues, I think, to be one of our most underrated actors because he's got such a all-American type of guy look. That when you look at the films he's done, he's done everything. He can do action movies. He can do romantic comedies. And he was great in this film. I can't believe you have the killer number four. I was disappointed, and I like I like Fassbender, and I love. Um, oh, help me out with the director, um, David Fincher. David th- thank Fincher, you, Fincher. Yeah. I love Fincher. Yeah. yeah, I get that. You know, a lot of people were like, "Is that it?" And it's like, I, you know, as somebody who sees everything, I just love the way every single scene was like perfectly constructed. Okay, but it's 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 not a film you're going to wrap your arms around and watch every year at Christmas. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. How's the Maestro? You have the House Cooper and the Maestro. Yeah, I thought it was great. You know, people, a lot of people were like, oh, God, you know, they talked about the makeup or the kind of nasally voice. Here's what I would say to people. Before you watch Maestro, go on YouTube and look up the real Leonard Bernstein. It was a huge TV star, early in TV with all the stuff he did. Watch the real Leonard Bernstein and then watch the movie and you'll go, holy cow, he okay. nailed it. It's, not, it's more than an impersonation. He captured the essence of the guy. Good tip. Do you have any idea, ballpark number, of how many movies you've watched in your career? Well, uh, it's three hundred a year. It's it's right around the ten thousand mark, I would say, at this point. Um, they, and now because I have, I've added TV, uh, you know, there's probably two thousand television series as well. But it's well, definitely more mm-hmm. than ten thousand films. So there's a reason why I'm asking that. As a guy who's watched that many movies, Killers of the Flower Moon is three and a half hours long. Do you have any issues with that, Richard, or do you knock movies out that are that long for breakfast? Listen, I just watched uh, uh, Michigan Hammer, Washington, and it took three and a half hours, you know, Monday night. And I, and I, and I had the Huskies plus six, so let me tell you, that was a lot more painful. For me. Oh, well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. should, should the Bears keep fields? Yes. You know, uh, listen, I can see going either way, but you keep Justin Fields. We're going to start all over again with a Caleb Williams, who I think has a kind of similar skill set, and you're going to start all over again. Instead, You've got a guy like Justin Fields who I think is only going to get better. You draft Marvin Harrison. You get I draft the entire Michigan offensive line mm. if I could, guys, because that's the thing they do. They need to protect them. Yeah, awesome stuff. Yes. Follow him on X at Richard Great Roper. Job. Get his podcast wherever you get your podcast as well, called the Richard Roper Show. That was awesome. We'll talk to you again down the road. Okay. Talk soon, guys. Yeah, thank you. Be sure. good. Up next, we'll recap last night's betting action and win some, lose some here on Veasan. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do 
start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hi there. I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.